I got to my hotel and I asked my friend Matt if he would help me assemble this monstrosity in time to show the judge tomorrow. Yes. That entire thing, can you help me do that yeah, to an no entire problem. deck? Can I look at it? Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. We have to put six sleeves on every card in an entire blitz deck because this oh, is maximum my. protection. What, what is this, a Trojan ad? <laughs> I, I was wondering why this was um, like protected better than the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> what is, the, is. is there a map to treasure behind here? <laughs> so your ultimate destinations for all things tabletop in Riverton, Utah. Uniting enthusiasts under one roof, we proudly showcase Flesh and Blood, Pokemon, Magic, Weiss, and One Piece, a gateway into an exhilarating universe of gaming. Immerse yourselves in our diverse products, including a very squishy array of Japanese plushies and the excitement of Gashapon machines. Our expansive play area invites you to duel in epic battles and forge unbreakable bonds with your fellow players. We open our doors every day at noon, embracing a realm where cards come alive and unforgettable moments are afforded. Come join us at Kayfabe Cards. Hey friends, before we get to the episode, I just wanted to kind of add something to this uh, to this episode here because there's some cool stuff that's out there in the community that I, I don't always get to talk about or devote a whole episode to. And there's one thing that I actually wanted to take a minute or so just to, to let you know about. Um... I get all kinds of cool ideas sent my way and um, people working on projects, which is super cool, especially for Flesh and Blood, um, exploring the lore and et cetera. And we know that we're all waiting for PvE, PvE, PvE. Well, um, a friend of mine actually started their own PvE that they've been working on for quite a while now, I think over a year, uh, Teclo Crow, if you're not aware. Uh, I highly implore you, to follow TechloCrow on Twitter, and uh, if any of this floats your boat, it's probably in your best interest to contact him because uh, it's it's really cool. Now, I will be completely transparent. PVE is something I don't enjoy. Um, I like the one-on-one -on -one competition with other players, but I looked at this, and I got some really cool dungeon crawler vibes off of it. And I just want to sort of walk through a little bit of what you're seeing. It's it's an 85-card set, if I'm not mistaken, all designed by this dude who wanted to create this 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 D&D style dungeon crawler, destroy the big monster as a team while fighting all the little baddies along the way. And as you can see, a lot of the cards have so much flavor, and this is just like a, a little minor, tiny little taster of it. I don't want to waste too much of your time, um, but I will say this. If PvE is your jam and you want to explore something, I highly recommend you go take a look at Teclocro's project for this PvE um, flesh and blood experience because I will say this. Again, I don't like PvE. I don't play PvE. But this one kind of caught my my attention. So if you're looking for something PvE related, I highly recommend 
you go follow Tekla Crow. Send him some of your questions and say, dude, how can I be involved? Anywho, to the episode we go. The Instant Speed Podcast welcomes back the voice of reason. What are you looking at? You're you're like <laughs> you're staring into their souls. Let me get through this. Damn it. This is episode I, I refuse. This is episode 93. Let's get through this. Uh he is the C3PO to my R2D2. Um and has recently discovered that you can comfortably fit six sleeves on a deck of cards. Uh, not legally, however, it is possible. There you go. Yeah, and it's in front of us. Perfect. So welcome back to uh, Instant Speed Podcast, my friend, Stephen Cookus. Hey. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's there where we we're, we're, That's where I guess that's where we're at now. How, how's it going? It's going well. You and I, I guess we see each other way, I don't say way too often. <laughs> Uh, we see each other so often now. It's like, oh, we're just on a call now. It's cool. It's, it's cool. It's funny because I recently had a discussion with some of my friends that I grew up with back in my hometown of Montreal. And they're like, when are you coming to visit? And I said, never. I am never going back. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm, I'm not that I'm done with you as friends. I'm just saying, you guys never come here. You guys never make an effort. Yeah, I'm, jerks. Well, I went to Canada. You did. I you, went there. You did. You did come to Toronto. It's just that the last like three or four times that I've driven down there, I have seen exactly nobody uh, despite my best efforts. So uh, I see you more often than I see some of my friends that I've known for you know 30 plus years. So. You're going to see me in like four days again. I know. And do you like it or not? Well, I, I do. I do like it. I'm not going to sit here and lie and pretend that I don't. Uh, I also, the, the beauty of these trips is that they're kind of these short, like two night kind of hops. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of room in my carry on suitcase for um, all dress chips. That I, I was going to say all dress chips. That's the play right there. It is. It is absolutely mm-hmm. the play. But um, we'll get to that element of the discussion later because i want to talk real quick about something that just uh, popped into the news which was that the fact that blitz actually had a wave of changes that went through today um as scribed by one brian gottlieb basically i know, that guy. I know him too good dude he's a handsome devil uh i will not go that far not because well, i i will believe I it or not i would like to uh put the spotlight on his intellect Oh, like four? Is it four? Uh, unless he plays Nourishing Emptiness, yes. Unless wow. It connects. Yeah. Unless he's data doll. Unless he's data doll. Unless he uses the Helm of Eisenloft. Is that it? Eisenpeak? Um, helm of... Crap, I should know this from playing Fable. What am I thinking? It's Ah, uh, whatever. It's you, know, you know the wine, everybody. Now I'm going to Google it because I'm, I'm angry at myself for not knowing this on the spot. I, I think it's Helm of Eisen something. Eisen's, it's Eisen's Peak. Uh, before I even Google it, that's what it is. Eisen's Helm Peak. of Eisen's Peak, isn't it? Let's see. Of Eisen's, it's totally Helm of Eisen's Peak. I th- I, that's what I'm going to say. That's what I said from the beginning. Cut this out. Cut, cut this entire section. No, out. no, no. We're going to uh, creatively edit this to make you look like an, uh, a clown shoe. That's the uh, flavor of the week. But I want to talk about, right. about the, uh, the Blitz changes, one of which is I think we could just kind of wheel over real quickly the fact that Drone of Brutality is re-banned. And mm-hmm. part of the explanation given was the fact that it, what I liked in terms of what they how they explained it was that it created this prisoner's dilemma of I have to run it if others are running it. And yeah. I get that. But I have also had discussions with 
some pretty good Blitz players saying that it wasn't even a necessary evil. Even the control decks might not have needed it to a degree, but at the same time, now it's like a hard cap at 40 cards in a deck, and I feel like if you're running six drones of brutality, that's that might just help you out in terms of putting you over the edge, but what are your thoughts on the Blitz changes and rebanning drone? Actually, so this is just off the cuff. Um, I actually think if if the hard cap is at 40 cards, I think um, including six drones of brutality in your deck is actually bad because it's just six two blocks that you have to include in your deck. Um, and at uh, 40 cards, I don't know, maybe there's fatigue lists and like fatigue worlds that we're comfortable running 40 into. But the format's so fast that like, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with whoever you were talking to in some respects that like drone is unfun to play against, but it's honestly not like the most powerful. But LSS time and time has shown uh, that they want to maximize the amount of fun and enjoyment that a player base and by player base, I mean a large player base can have with a format. And that is exactly what they've done here with this uh, blitz change overall, uh, changing it from uh you know 40 cards to 40 cards plus sideboard slots available basically to you um i think that a majority of players that play the game play classic constructed and those players are turned off by the idea of blitz in its previous format and so in an, in a way to um garner their interest in that format they've uh They've made changes to it to hopefully liven up the experience for everyone involved. And I hope it works because I, I want more people to play the game of flesh and blood. I think uh, that is the PC answer. If you're asking me personally, <laughs> I don't like it. Period. End of story. That's because I didn't like it before. Um, I like Blitz as 40 cards, no sideboard. I feel like um, Blitz as 40 card, no sideboard makes every card choice matter. And uh, it makes matchups more polarizing. And that's the point of a different format is for it to be different. And now that format is uh, 40 cards with a sideboard and we're playing CC. And people want to play CC. They just want to play it faster. And they can do that. And that's what the format is. And if if you enjoy that, great. There it is. You can do that. And so, I mean, I'm fine with it in the respect that I think it's still a fun, functional format. But I would prefer it to stay um, the way it was before. But that's, uh, you know, that's me, an old head stan of uh, Blitz that I've liked literally since the format was uh, created. Um, and so I perhaps am reticent to change. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Part of the discussion and point that, that Brian makes in this article is the fact that they were reluctant to open up sideboarding to this because what they feared was that there were certain decks that were just more prone to targeting than others. For example, I mean, Kano. Kano. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You just, that's the one they mentioned in the article. It's, yeah, it's I, really the only one that you can target with sideboard. Which right. is funny because like if you're creating a format and then you have a problematic hero, um, like they've targeted multiple times, Kano multiple times. And honestly, uh, here's the weird part. Like I, I personally don't think that Kano was to the degree unfun to play against that it needed another sort of change. And I think LSS says that as well. So they've done something with a format that is sort of soft nerfed the hero in a way by allowing everyone to sideboard in um, a card that turns off one of your attacks. And I think that's really clever. But again, I like Kano. And so to me, it's a little less fun, but it doesn't have the impact that you would think. And good Kano players um, aren't as bothered by it as you would imagine. Plus, uh, you just play into a different uh, into a different end game that you get into. So like 
be, it's it's one of those weird experiences because like I'm looking at this change and I saw it coming from the moment that they announced that they were going to experiment with the sideboard idea. Um, and I'm not necessarily bothered by the fact that I can still play in the format and I can still function in the format in, you know, playing Kano or really anything. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, but I liked it the other way. So like, I don't, I don't really care that it's new. It doesn't bother me. I'll still play the format, but I liked it this way. And I see the benefits um, that it's going to provide for the wider player base. And I'm excited for that. And I'm, again, I want people to play the game of flesh and blood because it's the best game in the market. But me personally and selfishly, I want to play the blitz format that I've always played in. And so I have this back and forth pull. It's like the old adage of having two wolves inside of you, one of them that likes Blitz with no sideboard, and the other one that likes uh, Blitz with a sideboard. Um, that's the, that's how the saying goes. The the best, the, my favorite thing is sometimes when I have like, when I can't make a decision or there's like just a lot of turbulence going on in my mind, I say, when somebody asks me what it's like, I said it's like, I'm like, there's two monkeys in my head, but only one banana. That's the kind of, that's what I, you know, when you can't, that's, you can't you settle go. on something. So... I think positive changes all around. I think it's it's positive for the player base and the community. The, um, I personally, I, I like Blitz the other way, but I'll still play this. The the one thing that I, I kind of want to lean on here a little bit is the fact that, and I think you kind of maybe alluded to it a little bit, is turning this a little bit into kind of like CC light, you know, as it is, like classic constructed in a, in a hurry without having to worry about the first you know the first few turns of a game where you know damage is not as important and you don't have to worry about things it's a process grinding out certain matchups you know counting how many crippling crushes you've seen etc uh checking sideboards 80 times like uh, checking graveyards 80 times like and i get it it's in a much more appealing way to play the game i have to say i mean i don't mind blitz and and the last time i played blitz i think it was like a week or two ago in salt lake city and playing blitz they, i'm like building that deck and and it came down to well what if i face this and you know i know that there's wizards in the room so i should probably pack this and this and this and this and yeah it mattered because it wasn't a sideboard decision it was a hard 40 that i had to lean on and and then that was my deck um ultimately though i'm wondering how much of this is catering to uh making the the format more appealing to more people and if that's the case at what point does it kind of just not become blitz anymore and becomes a different variation of what it once was. And I, you can call it blitz. You can call anything blitz and it'll be quote unquote blitz, but having a, a, a 40 card deck with a sideboard and you know, that's no longer what the original format was. Do you consider it still blitz in its truest form? Or do you think that this is just, you know, them deviating away because maybe the well, they've so, tried two years worth of trying to make this an attractive uh, format, and this is the way that they've said, "Well, we'll concede this to to the to the player base." Well, so so first things, I 100% agree, and that was what I was saying: is they're making this change to appeal to the largest amount of players possible. And I will say it this way as well: if we're looking historically at the format of Blitz, this the format kind of was created around COVID. It was created at a time where um, you were either playing online via webcam, um, this was pre-Talishar, of course, uh, you're playing with physical cards on webcam, pointing down at your mat, 
uh, or you are playing in an LGS that had either, you know, some sort of like, um, you know, structures in place that, you know, we're in the store for this long. We want to make sure that we're not here for this long. We have to kind of like clean the air, all that sort of stuff. Right. And so the format existed in a its own space and it was it was always sort of its own thing. Turning it into the mini CC is a gross generalization that I use and many other people used or have used to describe the, the change in the format. And fundamentally, it isn't technically CC, but because, you know, CC plays out in different ways and so does Blitz play out in different ways. But I also think that by pairing it down to... 40 cards, you're keeping the DNA of what Blitz kind of started as in like every card counts, every card matters. And you're appeasing a large number of people who feel like the format, unrightfully so, was too polarizing and too swingy. And I think that is still the wrong take. And I think the majority of players now versus two or three years ago are playing CC as their main format versus two years ago or three years ago, people were not playing CC as the main format. They were definitely playing Blitz. I think the change has happened over time where Blitz has become the less attractive format. And it went through a phase with things like Viscerai and then into Oldham where there were just really unfun, really degenerate decks to play against in this format, particularly over CC. So CC gains in popularity because of a variety of reasons. Players move away from Blitz because they found it a little less fun. Then this stigma is created over the past year or two that Blitz is a terrible kind of a dumpster fire of a format, which is absolutely categorically false. But the majority of players don't che check it out for themselves, and they just ride the the wave, if you will, of, um, you know, I guess, hate towards Blitz. And in doing so, um, they kind of prompt LSS to do a really smart thing and a really good thing and listen to the player base and try to make something into the format that they actually want to engage in. And I think that's where we are now. LSS has listened to the player base um, and tried to make a format that people want to engage in and hopefully they do engage in because again i said this a month ago when they announced these changes or these experiments it gets more people playing in the lgs again for a variety of um, formats and things like that and it gets support for the lgs's um, it gets them playing a fantastic game of flesh and blood that fundamentally is always going to be an absolutely beautiful experience so uh, whether or not uh, all of these things that I said are something that you agree with or disagree with, um, at the end result, we can all agree on is that this most likely will bring more players to the game. Yeah, and that's, I think, to a degree, you have to also be cognizant of the fact that like you have to evolve uh, in order to survive to a degree. And if, if, if people are just genuinely not liking it as it stands whether you think yeah. that it's right or wrong uh you sometimes have to you exactly you just sort of yeah. me measure the winds and you you adjust the sails and the one thing for me that i think was the first kind of you know the 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 first warning shot or was when they announced that blitz would not be back at worlds it wasn't going to be part of the format for yeah. worlds right and to me, I personally liked it. I liked seeing Blitz at Worlds. I liked that it was a three-format tournament to determine who the best was at the game, not at any particular format. And ultimately, limited and constructed, I suppose, you cover most, if not all, of your bases. And that, and yeah, Blitz was left on the chopping block. But that, to me, was the, the first salvo, the first kind of you know little inkling that I got of, okay, well, they're probably not as impressed with Blitz. And, you know, when they... 
when they had an announcement, I forgot when it was. It might have been like three or four weeks ago where they, they said, hey, everybody loves Blitz. So we're doing a Blitz thing and this and that. And in my head, I was like, I don't think everybody loves Blitz as much as you guys think they do. I think that, you know, I think there was a little bit of spicing up and sprucing sprucing it up to to make it seem you know and i get it a lot of people do enjoy blitz the statistics are that you know this is a, a played format but ultimately now that we see the evidence on the other side is okay you cut it out of worlds and you're tailoring it to make it seem a little bit more cc-ish you know i, I get it though and that's that's the one thing but i will miss it at worlds i genuinely am gonna miss blitz at worlds yeah, it's interesting, too, when you look at the world schedule, it's not sitting in the main event, it's not sitting in the calling, it's not even sitting in the battle-hardened, it's relegated to side events at this point, um, which is particularly, um, I guess it's it's not alarming or anything like that, it's just particularly interesting as we're having these changes put to it, and then it's not really getting featured in anything but a side event to really exemplify if those changes are... Um, you know, bringing more people in. Nevertheless, if the format is meant to be played at the LGS, that's really where the the rubber will meet the road to see if people start showing up for more armory events. And I think LSS does their due diligence and uh, really actually tries to find out if those formats are being played and enjoyed uh, to their credit. And LSS, I think, has continued to just handle things in a really smart and... Um, thoughtful way for the community and my personal misgivings towards a format that I've personally loved since its inception aside, I think it's a really, really big move and a really good move for the wider community and at large. So um, good on them for making the change that uh, I think the majority of people wanted. Speaking of handling things with care, um, you recently submitted a deck list uh, to a judge in Salt Lake City, was it? Where were we? <laughs> we were in Chicago. Were we in Chicago? I don't remember yeah, we anything. Uh, there it is. There's an example for those of you at the miracle of uh, moving pictures. Um, this video of yours that I happened to full-on Cosmo Kramer fall ass backwards into by accident. Uh, happily so. Uh, don't get me wrong. You crushed it. You crushed that I video. just... I Look, I was given no script. You. This all began. Just So first of all... Explain to us what the the video is before we get into the nuts and bolts of it. Sure. Um, I was totally distracted just now as I glanced up um, by the fact that you're uh, there's a there's literally an ass man in your background. Sorry, just totally distracted off the rails right there. Yeah, yep, that exists. That is my I am Cosmo Kramer, the ass man. Yeah, yeah that is my no, New York just, City ass man. It license legit plate. just it jumped out to me. Anyway, um, yeah. So I had this harebrained idea that oftentimes these these random ideas run through my head and it happened while i was watching the professor's triple sleeve video that he did in june he put out a video about triple sleeving with dragon shield and i was watching this and i was like three sleeves huh i wonder how many more you could put on there legit went through my head and then my like my eyes grew wide outwardly so and i grabbed my phone and i emailed dragon shield to see if they would even like just appease the idea of just like here go go play with these little toys over there in your corner little dm armada um and let me use their first three sets of sleeves of like a perfect fit a normal sleeve and then they're they're um new at the time which still is kind of new um triple sleeve to try and put as many sleeves onto a card as possible and uh after 
a month or so of searching on the internet to find random obscure sizes of sleeves and, and trying to Google different ways of like finding sleeves, I found myself six sets of sleeves that sort of nested like a nesting doll, one into the other into the other, so that you could do this. This is six sleeves on a single card. It looks really crisp too, like in person. It looks really clean. It outside does. of the um, outside of the smudges and the grease. Uh, it looks really clean. And my my thought was, okay, how do I parlay this into a YouTube video that people would enjoy? And something that I've been kind of toying around with in my mind um, over the past, oh, I don't know, six months or so, is what would it look like for me to test the algorithm to of YouTube to see if um, if the algorithm would enjoy passing around card game content, specifically card game content, not just like... Um, like large scale YouTuber content. Like if I took a premise and I edited it like a Mr. Beast video or like a, like a Ludwig video, like one of those types of larger YouTuber videos. And then I put that out there on the internet. Would the algorithm run with it? That was my premise. And so I, for the first time in a long time, I wrote a script I got the materials, I filmed, and I edited a single video far longer than I normally do for videos on the channel. And uh, and and then I took all my stuff over to uh, Chicago. I told you, hey, in fact, I, I believe I sent you a message. And I was like, hey, I need you to bring a Blitz deck because my original plan was for you to sit down to the table and then for me to take out that blitz deck six sleeved up and just record your reaction to it. And then I halfway through this conversation, I realized, no, nah, I just actually need him to help me sleeve the stupid thing up <laughs> because it was absurd. Absolutely absurd. Uh, so instead, we uh, we parlayed that into you just helping me sleeve it up. So we filmed that and uh, I I edited it up for like, I don't know eight to 10 hours or something like that and uh, pumped it out there. Crossed my fingers to see if this experiment would work and the algorithm would like do its thing. Well, and I expected about, uh, my, my my hope for a successful video was about don't, 30 don't to 50,000 views. Don't say how many it has yet. I, I, I want to get to that in a, in a heartbeat here because. Well, I'll say, I'll just say my, that my hope and my, my, this is a success if the algorithm picks it up and gives it about 30 to 50,000 views because, um, my highest viewed video up to that point was uh, a video I made in 2019 called How to Play Flesh and Blood TCG that had about 63,000 views. And I had put a Lorcana video out uh, when the game was kind of getting um, exciting and people were getting like just little bits of news. And that immediately like got snapped 35,000 views. So that was my target. Sure. Um, I, m my first, so the first, you know, icebreaker for you was frankly i think we were both in the we were both in our hotel room i was watching tv just sitting on the bed and you just came up to me and said hey what do you think of this and you, it was like you gave me a card that had that looked like it was honestly it, it looked like a like the furniture in my italian grandmother's house like it was yeah just smeared and absolutely enveloped and encased in plastic. It was completely and utterly like an inch thick. And I was like, what in the world is this? And you're like, hang on a second. 
we got it. We got work to do. Um, that video itself, I thought was really, it was funny. And like what, what was endearing to me was the fact that you really, you didn't half-ass any aspect of this. You had something in mind and I wanted to be a part of it. And I was flattered that, that I was there to be able to be part of this journey. You as a content creator, where you say that your cap is, or like your 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 highest limits that you've hit are sixty some odd thousand views, in the flesh and blood world, that is astronomical because of like it is, yeah. I mean, even on the flesh and blood official YouTube and whatever, a lot of their best videos don't get that high, and and I think it's just the nature of the game that we play and and the player base being much smaller than the other major yep. Garrett card games that are out there. How many how many views did you ultimately get where you're at right now? Because this video, I believe, is what three or four days old by now. Here, let's take a look together. Um, I posted this last Friday. No, uh, last Wednesday. I posted this six days and ten hours ago. Okay, so um, today being the fifteenth of August uh, in the evening. So we're about a, let's say we're about a week in, and you are at. Uh, it is sitting at one hundred and ninety-eight thousand. Uh, views yeah 198,300 if you want to be specific 198,300 I don't, I don't want to be specific because <laughs> this video is going to get 300 views so like that's where I'm just saying uh ultimately that is that has to be a nice you know kick in the pants to say hey like this was worth it and ultimately the next question is is where the hell do you go from here I know you made some you made some claims I think when you're tweeting this out and responding to people well, in the video, I said I, I made a comment when we first started sleeving. Um, I made a comment to all the people that were uh, inevitably going to say that you can do this easier on Yu-Gi-Oh cards by adding, you know, two sleeves because it's a Japanese style card. I made a comment. I said I, I know in advance that um, I can do this with a Yu-Gi-Oh card because it is something I considered before I even started sleeving up a Fab deck of just going and buying a, a Yu-Gi-Oh deck and doing it with that. Uh, but if you want me to do that, make this video hit 500 likes and I will um, I will try this again. And then I said, uh, you know, if it hits 500 likes, I'll do it with a commander deck. And the video proceeded to hit 500 likes in the that by the end of that, like night or something like that. And then has ballooned to now to 10,000 likes, which is absurd it's patently ridiculous and i i was totally humbled and blown away like i i put two months of work and thought into this video of thinking about how i wanted the script to go and how i wanted the storyline to go and the pacing to go um and when i wanted to go fast and slow and where i wanted to reveal this and that um but i would never have thought that that would um garner that much uh i guess happiness from people or excitement from people so i was incredible i still am incredibly humbled that people have continued at this point to watch it and uh enjoy the experience of us doing something ridiculously stupid and uh if you're wondering what we're doing next um it's something even more stupid and i need a knife and a car tire and a pool is a knife and a car tire and a pool. I look. I I know that you and I have we the the height of our own dementia. Uh, basically attained the levels where we thought it would be funny if you and I were in the bathtub in the hotel playing, just letting the cards float because they were essentially protected <laughs> from every element known to man, plus some that we haven't discovered yet. And I thought that it was it was uh, that was was funny, but. I'm I'm glad that we're there. Ten thousand likes uh, on your video is astounding. It's um, crazy. It's great. Yeah. It, I mean, 
a lot of that is probably because the dislike button has been removed. So, you know, you got to sort of put that out there. Um, hey, man, the thing about dislikes is it was totally engagement, too. YouTube counted <laughs> it. It didn't really matter which button you hit. As long as you hit one of them, um, it would pump your video out to like a bunch of people if you had enough engagement. Hey, like this video. I could sit here. I could talk about YouTube algorithm and engagement and like metrics and stuff like that so, so much. Just because I've I've spent seven years on this platform figuring that stuff out in both like trial and error and just like research and learning that, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that you can do on YouTube. That's just really weird. Well, I'm it's glad pretty cool. you or you earned that success and the video is very creative. I, I implore everybody who's listening to this to go check it out on DM Armada's YouTube channel. Uh, what is the title of the video specifically? Uh, let's see. What did I title it? My six sleeve deck got deck checked. Got deck checked. My, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Uh, so uh, we're not gonna give. We're not gonna spoil it. Uh, there is, I think, like an extended edition that resides on your Patreon, where a it's lot going of to, yeah, a lot of I my have to sit down and put it all together and edit it and drop it on there. But yeah, you, uh, your comedy gold was just full of. On I was one. on fire because part. <laughs> in all honesty, a lot of the video was me not being aware that it was being recorded. Um, you just kind of have this fun little Chris Hansen have a seat kind of uh, secret camera style <laughs> set up everywhere. And we're just sh shooting the breeze. And that's where a lot of like the, the things that I was saying that I say purely because I think you're the only one who hears them uh, <laughs> made it to uh, some of the videos, which I was, uh, I was happy about, but the video is definitely worth a watch. I do um, entice everybody to go check it out, bump up that video to, 250,000 and 2 billion likes, uh, if possible. Um, <laughs> next time I talk to you, I want you to have a complete other extension to your house built purely off of the residuals from that video. That Deal. would be sick. That's so, not going to happen, but that would be sick. But the the channel itself, there's a lot of people who re, um, re, regard you as uh, not just a successful YouTuber, but somebody who does it the right way, who doesn't take cheap shots who doesn't look for the dramatic uh stir the pot clickbaity type type stuff what you put out there is good content and uh we did get some questions from the community and i do want to throw some out there while while we're on the topic which is uh, number one from pox saying for dm armada uh saying you got me into flesh and blood so thanks but real talk how many people do you both as content creators think you got into the game? Oh, I've, that's a great question. I've literally never thought about that. It's, um, uh, I'm, 10. Well, okay. We'll, we'll round that up to at least the thousand, but you have 10. to, you have to think about it. Like <laughs> the way that I evaluate this is I can only count and reliably the people who have told me that they got into the game or I, whom I have showed the game who then I have seen playing independently afterwards. Of which there's probably a solid 20 or 30 people I know that have told me, hey, I got into this game because I saw you were playing it and I gave it a chance. And that, but if you think about that, 20 or 30 people is pro like that I know of might be on the lower end especially for you for you it's got to be way 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 more you just don't know about it have you ever thought and actually conceived the the reach that you have and the influence no, that you've had i haven't and it's interesting that you bring it up because that's not something that i've ever thought about and maybe i should have or maybe i should continue to think about that because like when i sit down to make a video my goal is like i go by like a video by video basis and i look at like okay 
I want to make a video about said topic because I enjoy the topic or I think people want to know about it or it's like something that just happened and therefore we should talk about it uh, because we as a community probably want to address this or like this is exciting, we should cover it. So I look at it like a video by video basis. If I'm doing this, is that video going to make someone smile or like make them like their day get better or is it going to teach them something they didn't know previous to that video? Cool. I'll make that. And then I go to the next one. I do that. And I go to the next one. And my my um, days turn to weeks, turns to months. And, and kind of I just get lost in the day after day or the week after week of, of making videos. But I don't. And this is probably a like a bad thing. This is probably a detraction on me. I don't stop to reflect the big picture like hardly ever with this because partially because I've been doing it for so long and partially because I feel like if I stopped and really reflected on like what I've been doing for the past seven years, I'm going to have some sort of like random existential crisis and then I'm just going to delete everything. Like I, I legit fear that one day I'm going to stop and go, have I done anything of note? And then just be like, I've wasted. So I don't want to waste time. Um, and to me, this up till now doesn't feel like wasted time, but I've never really stopped and thought about it. And it, you know, it's probably a lot. It's it. There's probably a lot of people that have watched these videos and decided to play the game. And I hope it is because that's kind of the point now that I talk it out. That's the point is I want people to engage in this game because I think flesh and blood's the best game on the market. Um, I think it has been the best game on the market for a while. And I think um, if you disagree with me, it's okay to be wrong. It's all right. It's okay if you disagree. Um, being wrong happens to everyone. And uh, in this case, I am not. Uh, but I think it's the best game on the market, and I think uh, more people should play it because you're you're entering into a fantastic experience, and I want people to experience it. One of the most endearing things that I hear is when somebody tells me that they know me from Gwent and they're happy that I'm here, you know, where I didn't bring them into the game, but they we just kind of they stumbled into this and found that I'm also here. The other thing, I mean, the other thing with this is that this happens to me a lot with um, my Star Wars Unlimited podcast with Wampa Radio. The people who message or leave comments on those videos um, or in, in the Discord, uh, the, the Star Wars Unlimited Discord, they're like, they're like, dude, they're like, we had no clue that Flake was here. Like, we remember him from Flesh and Blood, or we know him from Flesh and Blood, or we remember him from Gwent, and it's just, it's awesome that he's here. And the the... What that to me really, you know, um, sort of hits home for me for is that people trust my judgment and people trust that if I'm investing time in it, then it's worth them investing time in. And that that means a lot to me. It, it means that at least there there's there, that I've been doing something right along this time. And, you know, when it comes to who I've brought into this game, I mean, I never tell anybody I never force somebody to sit down and try it or whatnot. What I say is, we should. Um, yeah, just we should. That just some sort of weird camp that we just this is. Hey, welcome in. All right, doors are locked. We're going to be playing for eight straight hours. Um, Here's a blitz deck. You can sideboard. Yeah, Begin. that's the new. That's the new thing. Um, but I just I just like the fact that people are are at least trusting the fact that we that if we play it then they'll give it a look and again i never i tell people i'm like you could like it or not like it i mean 
there's a bunch of games that exist that I do not like that are ultra popular. Yu-Gi-Oh! I tried it. I don't like it. Is it bad? No, it's not bad. I just don't like it. And that's perfectly fine. It is completely fine to not like something. Yeah, I'm I'm just 100%. I'm just happy that people try it and enjoy it. And honestly, I, I would I would love to know how many people I have been responsible for bringing to the game. But at the same time, it to me, it's not it. That's not the point of pride for me. The point of pride for me is the fact that the game is. Like you said, it's the fact that I can go back and say I've spent this much time investing in this game and people are enjoying not just my content but the game itself. It's not like a wasted you know, I'm not I'm not just blowing smoke into yeah, nothing yeah, yeah, this yeah. right here. I don't yeah. know how to properly explain it, but without It getting, feels like time well spent. That's a that's that's probably how it's it's better said. Um I, that's how I feel. I feel like it's time well spent. Doing doing what I've done this long and and the same thing towards you doing what you've done this long. It feels like it has been time well spent because it's been spent with people that enjoy the same thing you do. And you may not agree on everything and you may disagree on certain points. Like for example, with how you feel about the new blitz changes, honestly, it's like the tiniest deal because fundamentally you still get to play a fantastic game with, you know, great people that you choose to surround yourself with. Another question from Nathan Crawford of the Card Guys. Nathan being... Oh, this question's so good. It is an excellent question, and I'm glad that he snuck in under the door when he did because uh, not that there's any, you know, curfew or anything, but... I am getting to a point where I love making content almost as much as I love playing. However, I view myself as a competitive player first. Did your content creation journey start the same way? Was there a point in your career that you transitioned from one to the other? This is this is um, a very good question because... I love this question. The, 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 the question also operates under the premise that you have the capacity and the skill set to actually play at a high level, which you do. You absolutely do. And I'm confident that I can, I can as well. It's just we're not... You and I, I mean, secrets out, you and I are not world-class elite players. We're just very good card players. Um, but that also leads to the fact of, like, what happens if we do just kind of give up on content creation and try to try hard tournaments and, and, and such? I mean... For your journey, where did you begin? Was it competitor or content creator? And at what point did you kind of draw a line in the sand and say, I have to put everything in one basket almost? Yeah, so I liked this question so much when he posted it because he posted it and I saw it. I think it's because I was tagged in on Twitter or X. It's now called X, so I'm just going to call it X, I guess. Uh, and I was so excited to answer this question because I think it's a fantastic conversation that could be had. I started not with content creation, but with competitive play. And of course, I started my YouTube channel seven years ago. This is three, four, four years before um, Flesh and Blood existed. Yeah, four years. Um, I started with Dice Masters and I picked up the game, absolutely fell in love with the strategy of it, fell in love with the braininess of it. And uh, I fell in love with the community and I played it like crazy online. This was pre-COVID, this was like 2015, 2016, and I was like organizing webcam tournaments like uh, on Facebook and via Google Hangouts, and we would like post, this is the day, these are your matchups in Facebook before Discord was a thing. And uh, I was playing it like crazy. And I also wanted to consume content for it, but the content for the game of Dice Masters 
was non-existent on YouTube. And YouTube, of course, being in 2015, was in a different state it is right now. Um, there was almost no card game content on it whatsoever. This was a year-ish after the professor started his YouTube channel, the Tolarian Community College YouTube channel. And this was right around the same exact time that Rudy started his YouTube channel. Both of them, of course, covering Magic the Gathering, the biggest game of all time, and me choosing this plucky little dice game, um, which had next to no viewership on the, the platform. But I chose to start making content for it because I loved competitive gameplay and that didn't exist on the internet and so i started recording myself playing games and just commentating over it literally my first year of this channel uh was me going to the lgs with a laptop and a crappy webcam and uh setting up a tripod with a crappy webcam and pointing it at the camera pressing record on my uh, thing and just playing games with uh, people in my community. And the issue with uh, playing a ton online and then going to your local game store and playing with people that just pick it up kind of casually is that you'd never lose. And I started to get a lot of comments of like, hey, you're fixing your games. You're only posting the games that you win. And it was because I was playing a lot. And so I started pushing like a ton of different types of content as well as uh, gameplay commentary. Um, and the more that I did, the more I realized that time is a finite resource and having kids makes it even more finite. And I had to decide how and when I wanted to do what type of content. And I started to find that it was far easier for me to put out content that... Um, I did from the you know comfort of my own home versus going recording and then like sitting down and playing. And so for me, it was a natural, slow progression over time, moving away from competitive play in that space and into sort of full time content creation. Uh, but the the whole start of it was because I loved competitive play and because I loved strategy and I loved watching other people sort of navigate those lines. And then I was so excited about that that I wanted to talk about it. And so I did commentary over my own games. And I commentated from my perspective and from my opponent's perspective. And I feel like that so well serves me for what kind of we are doing now as we travel around. Like this weekend, we're going to Atlanta. Because every time I go to one of these events, I am through the moon excited to just sit down and talk about the game and make content about the game and, you know, like commentate over, you know, card game, the, the, the game itself and just people playing it. It is, to me, exactly where I want to be and what I want to be doing, like pulling myself away from this so that I can go play competitively doesn't seem nearly as appealing. One, because as you mentioned, we are where we are doing our thing and we are not winning worlds anytime soon unless we just stop completely and start dedicating to that. And two, because I don't want to stop doing this. This is actively what I enjoy. Uh, and so it's a incredibly nuanced conversation that we could have, but I was a competitive player in my chosen field, and then I morphed slowly but surely because I fell in love with the just hobby of making videos and making content that people enjoyed. I, I, it's, it's hard to articulate because I really appreciate and enjoy the competitive 
part of things. Like, there's nothing that really motivates me more than when there's a tournament that I'm signed up for and I want to do well in. And those who watch my prep know that I'm dedicated. I'm like, I'm going to stream four hours a day of this deck, refining it, working out the matchups, tweaking things. But like you said, there's, there's, there's eventually you have to commit to one or the other. And I'm, I, I ask out into the ether, tell me what super competitive players that are winning tournaments are also regularly putting out content. I don't think that exists. And you might say, well, Michael Hamilton and the, and the MNR podcast. Um, but I think that Michael just shows up records and doesn't do any of the editing and, and all that stuff. I'm sure that a lot of that falls on Roger or if they have a producer that does that kind of stuff because Michael is out there grinding, practicing. It's the same reason why, you know, somebody like Michael Fang or Brody Spurlock or any of these other players out there who are winning tournaments, like Pablo Pintor doesn't, uh, does a, a podcast, but he's also, you know, quit his job and and that's what he does like his whole life is flesh and blood it's incredibly difficult to kind of commit yourself to one whole thing uh and i say that i mean pablo pintor also has uh, you know is a lawyer like he's he's got a law degree so um he's got options kids got options you know uh the guy the guy is unstoppable but ultimately what i heard you had him on the podcast recently i did for 90 full minutes uh of me telling sick. me telling him how he's a uh, he, i i totally have no respect for him uh that he's was a, he's a good player uh yes uh, some might argue yeah um i think so, he's, he's pretty good yeah so you can clip this however the hell you want uh, and you've get- had a lot of eu players on lately a lot of eu like like personalities and like uh other like apac and stuff like that um since the relaunch i don't even want to talk about like the previous stuff but i think since the relaunch i've had 50% of my episodes have been non north american people on the episode but i how do you, hate how do you how do you manage that like you, because you're i wake in one up time zone and there's another completely time zone for like whoever you're talking to so here's the challenge with this okay and i get it because i try to i try to really broadly stroke well, that's a really weird thing to say i i <laughs> <laughs> there, you want to clip something unfairly you want to get an out of context I clip that's what stroke. you should clip just finish the sentence so we can clip it correctly. no screw it i'm gonna go i'm gonna start over um with a broad stroke okay uh i don't even know what the hell i was talking about <laughs> so you try to cover the game maybe? i try I to co- I, tr- I try to cover the game based on topics uh and and sort of uh, you know um whatever the hot topic is of the week Okay, so I try to get guests, and sometimes there are slower weeks, or sometimes guests are unavailable in order to sort of line things up appropriately. For example, I've been trying to get the Push the Point crew, like Simon and and Hamish and all them, on the show for several weeks now to line up with the calling, uh, was it Birmingham? That they yeah, cast man. and they and I watched that. I watched a lot of that cast. I think that they're awesome human beings and they did an excellent job casting. Yeah, and we tried well. to get them on the program. Uh, difference is, mofos, that uh, the Earth is a sphere and rotates around the Earth, and unfortunately, we all live in different time zones, so it is incredibly difficult to get people on the other side of the Earth who have their own schedules on the program regularly. So, those who are out there, that and again, this is not meant to do this, but I see a lot of people replying to tweets and whatever saying, oh, I yeah, of course, we need to have more 
EU and 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 Australians and and you know Asian people on like from that those regions on the podcast. It is immensely difficult to time that, especially since between the hours of 8 a.m. and 6 p.m., my <laughs> entire house is a freaking construction zone of noise. So I could only record after six. First of all, 6 p.m. is like not. A guarantee so i can only record after 7 p.m where in which case you tell me who's gonna wake up at 1 a.m to record a podcast with me so it's not easy but i still managed to get half of my episodes since the relaunch to be from people yeah, from the other side of the world i wake I'm up at say, I, I woke up at five in the morning to record with josh scott okay so like i'm doing my best it's just it's hilarious to me when people tell me or or, or just sort of pump the tires on this bullshit narrative that I I don't respect EU players when literally I had 90 minutes of me kissing Pablo Pintor's ass rightfully because he's an amazing <laughs> player and an, he's really even, good, man. and an even better human being. Anyways, that's the end I'm going to say about that. It's just <laughs> clowns who have nothing to say when they're on the podcast or in person suddenly have all the might in the world to pump tires and do shit like that but the internet's a great place man I'll it's a what. wonderful yeah, it's place. A place but but all what I, all i'm saying here is what i want to talk about is the fact that eventually you do have to come to you do have to come to a head where you're like i have to commit to one or the other and as much as i i love the competitive aspect i know that i'm not good enough and i know that i don't have the time that i would love to devote to it plus i like you said i just love this so much more I love this so much more. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Like I, I get, and, and I understand when they do this, I get people a, a decent amount of time that ask when's the next time I'm going to compete in a tournament. And I, I don't want to say I don't want to, because I would love to sit down and play in a tournament. Um, but I would love more to sit with my friends and geek out about incredible plays made by incredible players, because that just, uh, for one, it's incredibly exciting, and it's it literally gives me life. But for two, I feel as though I have prepared for seven years to do what I'm doing right now at a high level and well. I've been doing commentary and things like that, and prepping and having... I have a very specific belief on how I believe commentary should be done. And I am, in general, unwavering towards that because I think there's a right way to do it. And I think that a lot of people have that. And um, maybe some people don't. and Or that belief or that thought process. And I have spent time coming up with that, studying other people who I think do a very good job of it. And to me, I feel like I am serving the people that I enjoy and the community that I enjoy best in this role compared to if I just selfishly played in tournaments. And I don't mean that as a knock to anyone that chooses tournament no. play over making a podcast or anything like that. No, no, it's no. It's not in any way, shape, or form a knock on that. It's just that I feel through my own personal experiences of seven years of creating content, both as a hobby and, well, still as a hobby. That's all I do as a hobby. Um, that I am in a position to give back most justifiably as a commentator slash content creator than as someone that goes and plays, um, you know, off meta decks and, and makes day two. Yeah. Like there, you can contribute in different ways. And 
when you see some of the world-class players compete and put the effort in, like this is the other thing is that the way that some people might benefit from our content, uh, you know, you put out uh, so much content and it's it's always top tier stuff and people love it. And that's how you how you enjoy the game in your own way, not just but by, you know, obviously we all love to play it. But at the same time, everybody is very has a lot of gratitude for what you do and and what you contribute. And this is how you feel is the best way that you can contribute to something that you love. The hours that you put into your videos is mirrored when a pro player puts in the same amount of hours to perfect a deck that they then take to a tournament, blow the field away, and then are able to talk about it afterwards that people can say, hey, thank you for putting in the work with this. And putting in the notes, like when I, you know, read Dagan White's uh, breakdowns of, of of his deck lists on off of his Patreon, or when Mara Faris finishes her, you know, sequel to War and Peace about Dromai and how to play Dromai, like that is that takes a lot of time. And and in the same way, when I had Pablo on the show and I was talking and he was breaking down how he played Bravo, this is not just him coming up with random ideas this is the result of multiple uh, you know countless hours of testing practice innovation and and going through the gauntlets and succeeding therefore so to me they are also putting it out there and putting out content uh, in their own way it's just that in the same way that you know we'll put in x amount of hours to put our weekly content out they're doing it in a different way and and sort of serving the community albeit they're they're feeling it in a different way. Their their results and their ROI, their return on investment isn't clicks and views. It's tournament placements and building yep. their own legacy that in itself functions as a way to prop up their reputation. You and I, yeah. you and I, are, our whole careers are based off reputation, right? Like it, that, 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 that is a solid foundation in the same way for them. If they go out there and are losing tournaments and not performing well, People are going to forget about them and and not trust their their approaches to things. So right. their dedication to it, I think, you know, I sorry if we went long winded on this, Nathan, but ultimately, um, I think a lot of it comes down to what do we enjoy most, and I think that as much as I enjoy competing, I enjoy this way more. Well, to to finally put a capper on his question, yes, um, my content creation journey started with competitive play in a game, and then I started falling in love and finding that I really enjoyed making content for said game because I saw that it gave value to other people or enjoyment to other people and to myself. Um, and uh, there was a point where I distinctly remember saying, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing this instead of going to that I don't know, armory, for example, or, you know, that I, I want to sit and edit a video or I'm going to do a stream tonight and we're going to try to do this new thing because I want to engage people in this way. There were moments where I actually actively made that choice and I continue to actively make that choice because that's what I that's what I choose to do because I love it. All right. So we we are uh, we're pushing uh, pushing the tempo here when it comes to time. We went on. We we I actually Dude, start... that's good stuff. No, we're gonna run. Come on, let's keep going. We're we're gonna keep going. I did actually prune something out, which um we'll we'll get to maybe down the line in another episode. But ultimately, uh, one more question. This one from Minmax Games, a friend of the show, whom we all uh, we all love. Minmax Games asking, "What is your biggest flesh and blood dream you hope to accomplish?" I mean, that is a, oh, a hefty hefty I know it question. Right away. 
No, I know it right away. I, this is something that I've literally since last year has been at the forefront of my mind of like one day I want to do X. And the answer is I want to commentate at a world championship. Having been in this game since 2019 and having watched the game grow and um, expand and go through like weird times and hard times and great times and fantastic times, which I think it is in right now, it's is it was so gratifying and exciting to see so many people enjoying what I enjoyed um, for all these you know couple of years that have been going already and last year at the World Championships and for me a sort of a, a capper on the entire experience thus far would be sitting down and uh, talking about this fantastic game that I've fallen in love with um, at the highest level like straight up like that is for me the epitome of uh, dreams. I would, I would ask someone to pinch me to see if I had that opportunity and I was actually sitting there because it really, it would mean the actual most, um, to experience that. So that for me is, is my bucket list thing. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but it's certainly something that I would absolutely just love to do and experience. And I would soak it up if I had that chance. Well, I'm pulling for that dream. Uh, I too would love to go to Barcelona. I, I was lucky enough to be able to be part of the team to do San Jose. Um, I will say this, and I, I, I mean this wholeheartedly. I'm not just saying this to sort of, you know, because you're sitting there, but, uh, you, you're, you're somebody whom when I, I get to cast with, it's just, it's like jumping in the, in the cockpit of the Falcon and you know where all the buttons are and you know that if, if needed, you know, you're you'll you're there to nudge the hyperdrive when I need it. You're there to to sort of remind me not to hit the asteroids and all that other stuff. So, uh, I I hope that we're both there. I I don't I don't know how else to properly say it, but uh, I agree with that. That'd be fantastic. I don't know if it'll ever happen for me, but I think it would be it would be a dream come true. Nevertheless, I think in your um, description, I get to be Ray and you're Chewbacca, right? First of all, or are you Finn? Are you saying you're Finn? I'm saying I'm Han freaking Solo. Are you? You absolute are you old Lando Calrissian. Stop it right now. You From stop. Episode I would nine? do that. Oh, I would. No, don't. Not that old. Like when you say old, like now there's there's three, right? Like there's yeah, old, there are three. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. like middle, like mid range. There's <laughs> there's control. <laughs> there's, there's the young. There's the young hero yeah, version. There's young there's aggro the hero version. There's mid range, and then there's yeah. Then there's control. Um, I am. Uh, I wouldn't mind being Lando. Lando is a badass. He's All, pretty cool. He is He's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Um, we're going to talk real quick about the meta, but this is going to be a Patreon Tier 3 exclusive. So if you haven't already, please go to patreon.com slash instant speed. Uh, if you want to get this part of the conversation, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the meta. Well, there you have it, Tier 3 patrons. Uh, that's, uh, that's what you pay for is unruly off unhinged Stephen Cookus. good for I'm you. just I'm surly I'm surly today because I think some people on the internet are just not very nice That's I, what I, think. I, I I think some people on the internet are not very nice and they should be nicer to each other because people don't last forever I agree and some of these people uh, are four ply super soft when you talk to them in person uh, but the internet that's where we're we're uh, aggressive and angry. All right. Um, the last thing I want to talk about really quick 
before we get to the standard charmer question that is freaking charmer i love him to death but um <laughs> he gives me gray hairs that i don't have yet uh here's here's kind of what i want to talk about because you just did a video also regarding kind of ranking some of the you know the tcgs that you play and where they're at and etc but flesh and blood within the tcg landscape i've had this conversation over several years and every time you know there's this new I don't want to call it an era, but I feel like we're in this new golden age of card games as there's new ones that are coming out. And they're not like throwaway bozo style Austin Powers TCG, whatever the flavor of the month movie is kind of let's put a card game together. There's actual some heft behind them, be it Lorcana, be it uh, Alpha Clash, be it Battle Spirit Saga. Uh, I am all in on Star Wars Unlimited. I am so excited for that. But a lot of these are also coming in one piece. I'm so into one piece now i'm obsessed with pokemon tcg i'm back to playing magic it is unreal how many things are out there flesh and blood is still my heart and soul and until that changes i will always be so into this game however at the time like i i am capable of sort of removing myself from the conversation and seeing it's like okay flesh and blood is so far behind um the big three which is Yu-Gi-Oh, pokemon and magic um, there's this colossal chasm before we get into the four spot, which, mm-hmm. you know, one piece is moving into flesh and blood is sort of approaching mm-hmm. that, um, and getting into that conversation. Lorcana, in terms of at least sales and buzz is probably the only one I can see that would even approach or maybe start encroaching on the top three. But then you have like Star Wars Unlimited and Battle Spirit Saga and One Piece, and they all have tournament scenes and they all have reasons for you to give a give a crap about they have mm-hmm. they have a, a structure they have return on your investment of time and money if you put the time in and you could perform and you could succeed it's it's crazy where do you where do you feel flesh and blood is right now amidst this renaissance of tcgs amidst this new this new wave of contenders that are coming in not just packed with powerful ips behind them but packed with organized play and that annual million dollar prize pool of of competitive uh right. this purse um so the i think the conversation is twofold i think one uh the video or the the stream that i did yesterday i literally just asked chat to rank how these card games were doing in 2023. Uh, like, where's their trajectory? Are they going up? They're going down? Are they really high? Are they really low about to die? That sort of stuff, right? So I asked that question of chat. So that is one conversation. But I do not think that that is the same thing as asking the question, is, if these are the top three TCGs, and which we do know are Pokemon Magic the Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh! with Pokemon and Magic the Gathering, you can kind of go either way on top and Yu-Gi-Oh! being the third. If those are the big three, what is the fourth? What's the next one? That is not the same question, fundamentally, if you're at home asking this question. It's not the same question as uh, how have these TCGs performed in the year of 2023. So... Understanding that those are two different things, let's talk about it from a perspective of where flesh and blood sits in the the latter, not the former, but where it sits within the confines of the ranking of one big three, is it four, is it five, is it six, right? And I would say that it is currently uh, neck and neck for fourth 
with One Piece as it stands right now. With the caveat that, as you mentioned, there is a colossal gap between both of those card games as they stand right now and the big three. And there are a retinue of other card games that have the capacity to push into that space. You mentioned Battle Spirit Saga. Battle Spirit Saga, um, as far as what they've done in 2023, they have run large-scale tournaments with big prizing, and people have shown up. Now, the question I want to know the answer to is, are people showing up because there's big prizing and they feel like they can spike a tournament? We saw MetaZoo and do that exact same thing, and players just turned up because they felt like they're good card game players and they can spike a tournament. Is that why they're showing up or is there legitimate, genuine interest and like sellouts of boxes and product? Um, is that a sign that that game is now sitting in the four spot? Personally, I don't think it is yet, but I think it has the capacity to because Namco Bandai wants that game to succeed hugely. And so they're going to put the bankroll like they have already and, tr and try to continue to pull people into playing that game. That being said, they're also cannibalizing One Piece. And so I feel like that's a really tough market to be in. And it's a question that where are those two going to fall when the chips are all the way down? That is a very interesting question. But to me, One Piece and Flesh and Blood are sitting right above your um, you know, new card games like your um, Battle Spirits Saga. And as you said, and to your point, Lorcana has the biggest pathway to a number four spot simply because it's Disney and simply because it will be the pseudo next Pokemon of uh, the TCG space because it is marketable and because uh, you can sell product off of that brand and off of Disney princesses and Disney animated films and nostalgia factor. I have been playing so much Pokemon and what's fascinating about it to me is I did it because I found out that there's a new digital client for it that's a lot cleaner than what used to exist. There's uh, a new one? There's a new one, Pokemon Live. And if you had a Pokemon oh. Online, uh, or I think it's called Pokemon Online. What is it called? I have it right Yeah, here. yeah, the old one. Uh, ultimately, though, uh, Pokemon TCG Live is what it's called. You can download it. It's free. Uh, and what it does give you the option for... right now. You could, you could also port over your account from the previous online client and bring all that progress to the new game without skipping a beat if necessary. Not to mention, you open a pack of Pokemon, and inside the pack comes a code for you to get a free pack in the game as well so yep. it's it's double dipping on both sides which is pretty awesome i think it's a great thing um the issue i find when it comes to where flesh and blood is positioned in this is like you made a good point about battle spirit saga and and such like battle spirit saga had like a hundred thousand dollar tournament like a massive tournament pro tour etc it was populated yeah. players like uh Tyler Horsepool played in it. There's a bunch of players that I know who right. who went there. They went there not because they liked the game. They went there because there was an opportunity to pick up a new game, to buy it cheaply, and to buy a $50 like entry fee. Exactly. To be like, I just yeah. need to top 64, and I'm walking away with profit. That is how a lot of people that I know approach these types of games from that, that perspective. And again, because they have a limited amount of time and resources that they can devote to these things they have to pick and choose what is worth their time it becomes that kind of equation it's an ev um, um analysis however yep. that at the end of the day i also see people saying that hey like i went to my weekly battle spirit saga tournament thing and nobody showed up like that's that's kind of 
where we're at here. Uh, and I don't know if it's a an IP thing. I don't know if it's a game rules thing. But when we're talking about this TCG renaissance, the problem here is that Flesh and Blood came out with a great game, an amazing, amazing, unique game to play. And that was enough during this hellish time of COVID to get a, a card game out. They went through the most difficult uphill route possible, and they came out strong, successful, and and thriving. They didn't have Star Wars pushing them. They didn't have Disney pushing them. They didn't have any of these already accessible and, and successful IPs to pump their tires to float on, like One Piece, yep. right? They have IPs that people will automatically, like a dog whistle, be like, oh, what's that? I hear something new Star Wars is coming out. Look, I'm, yep. gonna, I'm the first one to admit that when they announced that there's a new Star Wars card game, I was already all over it without knowing a single thing about it. And as the information rolled out, I was like, I like this more, I like this more, I like this more. Does Do games need an IP to... to you know, to sort of at least survive the first little wave, especially now? Um, yes and no. So it's weird because the I think the, one of the only outliers uh, for this is Flesh and Blood, who has their own IP. But I think if we're not talking about Flesh and Blood, I feel like the answer is yes. You, you almost do need an IP. Or you need to very quickly ingratiate your IP into your audience. Like your audience needs to immediately embrace an intellectual property that you're creating or straight up just the aesthetic that you're creating. If you're not building a storyline, then you have to have such a strong aesthetic that is immediately grasped on by players um, because we live in the age, we live in a society that people just want what they want as quickly as possible, whether you like it or not, and I don't, quickly as possible, give me exactly what I'm looking for, and if I don't find it quickly, I'm just going to go find it somewhere else. And TCGs can't survive without some way of hooking players like that. And so, yes, you can call it an IP, you can call it an aesthetic, you can call it a gimmick, whatever you want to call it, but games do need that to some degree uh, for long-term success. And I think the only game that I can really think about that doesn't have that immediately, that has already that has gotten success, is Flesh and Blood. And I think there's an entire just book that we could write about why that is the case and why they've pulled it off this far and they're continuing to pull it off and partially because they created an ip quickly uh with great planning and they ingratiated their uh, player base into it and then they got uh some great choices made and then got a little bit lucky along the way and more power to them because sometimes you just have to get a little lucky and uh they've made every bit of uh, the most of it as they have. So my last question on this topic is can flesh and blood challenge to be that fourth spot? And, and, and I don't mean like, well, that it's, it's neck and neck with them in one piece and Lorcana or, you know, in star Wars, U is coming out and whatever, like they all kind of share, they jockey around. What does flesh and blood have to do? to secure itself and separate itself to be a, a bona fide number four with even a trajectory that might even say, hey, you know what, if this keeps up, it might it might rub up against number three. There's literally one correct answer to this. Are you ready? And it's one that most people aren't going to say. Persistence. 
literally surviving year after year. The only reason that Magic the Gathering has, in my opinion, maybe not the only reason, but the the largest reason that Magic the Gathering has survived over the past four years of turbulence in that space is because their players, their community, have committed generationally to playing that game. The game has been around for 30 years, and there is no way, in my opinion, that you can kill that game. Like, it, the the chances of that game dying are so astronomically low, like, you would need an act of God for that game to, like, come to its end, simply because it has survived. Persistence is key. You keep doing what you're doing in the way that you're doing it, other games come and go, that game continues. And that is how all three of those games have survived to this point, is, is persistence. And yes, they've all taken different trajectories to get there. I mean, look at Pokemon has been in just a crazy global craze since it was in its inception. Magic the Gathering, to its credit, basically created the genre we're having this conversation about. And just ingrained and stamped its flag into that and never let up. Yu-Gi-Oh! built a fantastically uh, unique system for the time on a strong IP at the moment. And then the IP has sort of disappeared into obscurity to some degree, but the game itself has lived on and carried the IP um, forward. And of course, you're talking about, there's. I'm sure the manga is continuing. I actually don't know about the, the Yu-Gi-Oh! manga, but... The IP itself has come down versus what something like a Pokemon has done, but the game itself has continued to survive. Why? Because of persistence. All of them, it points back to they've been there the longest and they're not going away because their company is consistent and um, married to creating that product for this foreseeable future. And if LSS is married to creating flesh and blood for the foreseeable future, they can be what something like a Lorcana couldn't. Because there's a real chance that at some point, the giant that is Disney says, cool, we made our money, let's do this and move on to something else. Which I don't want to happen because I want to enjoy Lorcana for a long period of time. The same thing is true of Star Wars Unlimited. And it's what terrifies me about the game because it's exactly what happened with Star Wars Destiny. They could at, at some point they could decide this has run its uh, race to fruition and now let's do something new and close up shop and we could have a Star Wars Destiny scenario. Those things did not stand the test of time because the companies chose to hang it up in the past. Those games. The games that haven't are the ones that are still plugging along and have carved out their niche and are grasping desperately to it to never let it go, and they're never going to at this point. And Flesh and Blood can join them if LSS is consistent and dedicated for the long term. Magic can put out a year's worth of absolutely terrible products. They won't. I mean, they've had bad stretches of a couple, you know, duds in a row and whatever but they usually rebound with a set that a lot of people think is great etc um they could put out consecutive years worth of you know one star products in terms of design whatever the hell it is bad price points etc they will survive it is 
they at the end of the world it's going to be cockroaches and magic i think that that basically <laughs> that is look and I, I i'm just saying that but they've i think that they've also earned that that longevity they've they've yeah, earned sure. their right to to survive through it in from the perspective of they put out so much amazing stuff for so many years that they're bound to have a, a bad streak and they've had bad streaks and the problem is is that the same people who are saying yeah magic sucks are also some of the same people who are lining up to buy everything that that comes out i i like your argument of of persistence and sticking to it i just feel like i don't think that's enough i genuinely don't think that's enough because the problem there is that if you're just treading water and being persistent and putting out you know above average stuff year after year there's always going to be a new thing that is going to be pulling and tugging at the attention of of the people that you're trying to to build i think that moving forward flesh and blood's biggest concern is acquiring new players and the reason why i say that is because i literally signed up for a Pokemon regionals and a One Piece regionals without ever playing the games. Ever, I, I mean, I say ever playing the games. I played Pokemon TCG 20 years ago, right? One, like for a summer. I signed up for these tournaments because they were, uh, people I knew were gonna be there. I said, screw it, it's worth the $30 to just go there and experience it. I'll borrow a deck, I'll do whatever. Then I looked into acquiring a competitive deck, and I bought my competitive One Piece deck for $150. $150. All, like, top to bottom, all the legendaries, super rares, whatever. The Pokemon deck that won world, the World Championships last week, or this past weekend, a couple days ago, $50. $50 for the World Championship yeah, deck. Yeah, okay. And, I totally agree with you, but, look, but I'm going to tell you right now that that is a that is a really great like um, clickbait title, and I'm really good. I understand how clickbait works, and I do think that there's like there's more to it than just that. But I agree, it is very easy to get into both of those games. Sure, but what I, what I'm trying to get at is that the evolution of developing new card games is that you know. We've been playing card games for so many years. It used to be that if you want the most powerful card, it was hidden behind the most, the most, you know, premium of rarities. Now that's no longer the case with a lot of cards that are, you know, companies that are coming out that are hiding not, uh, uh, you know, not strength and and power behind rarity. They're hiding aesthetic and vanity behind rarity. The which is super smart. Which is the best. That's the yes. best thing. A hundred percent. I don't want to have to pull a legendary three copies of something in order to get it. But at the same time, if I pull the alternate art super fancy version of it, that's amazing. But I still right. have two or three other copies of it that are still that do the same thing. What I'm saying yep. is that all the new card games that are coming out are doing this. So it's not that Pokemon and One Piece are are outliers. It's that there's constantly going to be new new contenders that are very accessible to play at a competitive level and that's what i worry about when it comes to flesh and blood and they're reprinting things and that is huge that is amazing but 
And I am the first person to say and and sort of uh, and and throw my hat in the ring for the whole stigma that that Flesh and Blood is not an accessible game to play. I don't believe that at all, because if you're playing any of the other major games, like Magic, let's say your your deck is probably worth the exact same amount of money as your competitive CC list. And I mean that's a whole oh, other episode. It's, it's worth it's worth less, but you have to update it more that that's also true put it that way that's That's really that's really how we talk about that said i think that i think that just sticking around isn't good enough in my opinion because if they might like what what i think that your argument is is not taking into account is yeah it might outlive the others that just kind of say yeah we're done here and walk away but there are always going to be new new contenders walking to the arena so don't get me wrong don't get me wrong the number one thing that they have to do is is be persistent in the sure. space. Okay, I survive. agree. The number one thing they have to do is be persist- persistent. That is not the only thing they have to do to get there. You are not just like walking to the finish line and you're like the 95-year-old that, that crosses it the next day after the marathon's already over. That's not your ticket into fourth place in the big four. No, you're 100% correct. You have to make constant and consistent changes and improvements to your systems to your distribution and to your new player experience if all of that is understood which i believe it is because if we look at what flesh and blood is currently doing and is continuing to do over the this past year with um how they're running events how easy it is to uh, find an event near you that's uh, like a step up from an armory and then how easy it is to, you know, like see where, uh, you know, the pro tour is leading you to a world championship in that respect of like how this pathway connects. And then we look at the new player experience onboarding that they're they're pumping out with this n- next set in bright lights, including, um, you know, like the ways that you can show a new player how easy it is to pick up and play. And then you look at the tweaks that they're making to blitz to make it more um, in fun and enjoyable as a possible like their step format to cc with a sideboard now all of those things are happening all of that is being taken care of and you can just at some point as the game creator say cool we've done it let's go ahead and stop let's you know i maybe you sell it maybe you just close it up shop you go and you ride off into the sunset with your money that you've made and the experiences that you've had but if you want to be number four you do all those things and then you keep doing them year after year while other things come and go and other people fold their non-diamond hands you stick around that is the point the point is that the number one thing you do after all is said and done and all the tweaking and the grinding and the building of your game and the iterating and the watching of the markets and the uh, trying to balance how your new players enter. And after all is said and done, you have to stick around. And that's probably the hardest thing to do, honestly. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Um, takes some, like you said, some diamond hands to just sort of hold on to it as well. But uh, I mean, well, here's here's what it means. It's the same thing that you and I do when we make content. Because at any point, we could just say, cool, this has been fun, I'm done, I dust my hands of it. But every time you sit down to commentate an event, or every time you sit down to make a podcast with another EU player, or an APAC player, or a US player, you're, you're actively saying, I am going to commit to prepping for this, to running this, to editing this, to distributing this, to advertising this. 
and then I'm going to do it all again the next day. That persistence is how you get to four. That's the way. You do all of the things that make your game successful and you wake up and you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. And that's why I think it's the hardest thing to do and why so many people, so many card games perhaps haven't done it. It's a good analogy. I mean, I understand that aspect for sure, as do you, as do many who are listening right now. The grind isn't easy, and but it's a slow crawl sometimes. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, looking at where I'm at today versus where I was at last year or five years ago, uh, leaps and bounds, but you're right. Sometimes sticking to it, it it's, it's difficult, but it also might be the, the prime ingredient to that kind of recipe to, to constantly improve. Um, we're going to end this on uh, probably the most poignant, uh, I don't know how else to say this, uh, important questions probably ever asked in the history of mankind, ultimately. Uh, this one from Derek Oswald, a.k.a. Charmer, asking for DM Armada, the pirate. That's you, apparently. Which is more offensive, a sleeveless shirt at a funeral or a sleeveless deck at a tournament? Oh, jeez. What a great question. Don't give him credit. It, I like I like both of those options. Like is are are those offensive? Are either of those things offensive? Technically you get deck checked at a tournament and they'll they'll kick you out. You could probably wear a sleeveless what was it, a sleeveless tux? Is that no, what you a said? Sleeveless shirt at a funeral. Oh a sleeveless shirt? Oh, that's even better. Come on, you could totally wear that to a funeral. I've I've probably seen someone at a funeral wearing a sleeveless shirt. I live in Texas, man. It's hot. Yeah. So okay, I'm picking the I'm picking the deck. Okay, we'll go with the deck. Well, look, I'm very good friends with Andy Trong, who's who I don't think in any in any capacity have I ever seen him not wearing shorts, sleeveless like basketball shirt and flip flops, everywhere, everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, June, July, August, through the winter months, whether he's traveling for an event or not, whether it's three in the morning and we're in the the coldest airport you've ever seen in your life, the same thing i am wearing a sweater and cold out of my mind and he's got sleeveless shirts in an like we were at the airbnb at in salt lake city for the event uh team kayfabe and he was there everybody was under blankets complaining about how cold he it was and he's like no nah, man this is like this is my jam i'm like you are unreal and we looked at the thermostat and the thermostat was like set at like 58 and he's like yeah it's, it's <laughs> chugging hard we're like oh my god um all right, well, there, there's your answer, Charmer. Thank you for this groundbreaking uh, Wolf Blitzer exclusive question. The more you know. Definitely. Well, DM Armada, I do sincerely appreciate you jumping on the show. I know that uh, th this has not been an easy week uh, weekend uh, uh, for, for many people, myself included, and I know that when it comes to it, you are always a, an, a very reliable friend that I can lean on just to talk to or bring on the podcast and not have to worry about things. So I, I genuinely appreciate your friendship and everything that you do, my friend. It's a pleasure to be on. I, I, next time I hope to be on when I'm not replacing someone who like had to delay. Well, yeah, this was the James White episode. James, so oh, was this the James White one? Yeah, well, I know there were a couple. There were a couple times you're like, "Hey, do you want to come on?" Uh, I don't know if like I'll be able to meet up with this person. Here's the like, calendar. Sure. Okay, you can't really see it. So here's where James was supposed to be on the show. Here, here, 
here and now he's here so do you see all the scratching out and whatever so yeah he has it happens well no and like again it's it's almost like it's hard to organize like a cross world's podcast no i don't know i'm as a filthy american all i know is america apparently that's did you know that i can't believe you're american i that is i I couldn't believe it either uh i can't get out of the us of a uh he says and again for those who are listening and wondering why james isn't on yet james has messaged me apologizing profusely which he doesn't have to do but has been very gracious and he's always the one who's like here's the new time can this work and the reason that he's not on this week and he had to delay and delay and delay is because he has some stuff that he wants to talk about on the program but he has to wait for it all to be approved and officially released before he comes on so what he said was unfortunately it's got to be whatever day so he's going to be on the podcast on august 31st which means that you could probably set your watch to a significant announcement that that week that's the week after um nats right that is the weekend after nats yeah yeah he, he wanted to do it on the he wanted to record on the tuesday uh, where I fly home after an extra day in Vegas, and I said, it is probably in both our best interests that you give me a solid 24 hours of, re- of uh, recovery time because I will be coming back from Las Vegas. And he's like, totally get it, understood, no problem. So the man, the myth, the legend will be joining us. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be on the show published on the 31st, which is great. Good stuff. Steven, plug your stuff, dude. YouTube.com slash DM Armada. Um, X.com. Uh, Armada underscore DM. X, X.com. Is no, that what we, we don't, call it now? I just call it Twitter, dude. Like, I don't know. This guy he doesn't know whether he's coming or going. I... <laughs> well, there you go. That's uh, that's where you can find me. You can find me on other uh, socials as well. You can follow me on Facebook if you're my age. And you can follow me on Instagram if you um, are into Instagram and like pictures of things. I like it. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, to everyone else, thank you so much for listening. To our sponsors at Kayfabe Cards, go to kayfabecards.com. Be who you want to be at Kayfabe Cards. Not a bad not a bad deal, right? That's a pretty solid deal. To our patrons, thank you so much again for supporting this channel. You can do so by going to patreon.com slash instantspeed. For as little as 2 bucks a month, you can go ahead and just uh, help us keep the lights on and do all this stuff. Lots of exclusive content from Tier 2 onward, as well as, you'll, you'd like this, I spoke to the fun friends at Talishar. If you are a patron subscriber um, here at the Instant Speed Podcast, uh, Dear Armada, Dear Armada, and you play Bravo on Talishar, your Bravo Borvo. becomes Borvo. Borvo. And it's a cool That's artwork awesome. of Borvo. And I'm That's trying cool. to get a tier three exclusive Borvo, which is actually Teddy KGB from uh from Rounders throwing Rounders. discs around. Yeah, so we're working on that as well. And uh and that's about it. So thank you so much to everybody for listening. We will see you next time. Don't forget you're not losing if you're learning. Catch you next week on ISP. Well, I work, I work hard.